Then let us now draw near, washed in that precious flood, and enter the most holy place by Jesus' blood. From hearts that are sincere, let tongues our hope profess, and trust anew God's faithful grace that we confess. For our daily prayer, we use the order of morning prayer, found on page 235 in the Lutheran Service Book, or page 024 in the middle section of Treasury of Daily Prayer. Let us pray. Today's New Testament reading is from the Epistle to the Hebrews, the 10th chapter. 
Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has spurned the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days, when after you were enlightened you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come, and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. This is the word of the Lord. For today's meditation on God's word, we welcome the Reverend Dr. David Lewis. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Did you know that Martin Luther had trouble with the epistle to the Hebrews? He had so much trouble with this letter, in fact, that when he translated it from Greek to German, he deliberately moved it and the epistle of James from their normal place in the canonical list to join Jude and Revelation at the end of the New Testament. And then in his introduction to Hebrews, he warned his German readers about the dangers presented in this book and how to read this one New Testament book. Now, on the one hand, Luther greatly appreciated the presentation of Jesus in this letter. Jesus is depicted as one who is greater than the angels, a sacrifice greater than the Old Testament sacrifices, and a priest greater than the Old Testament priesthood of Aaron. 
Jesus is the final Day of Atonement sacrifice whose blood gives believers access to the most holy place. Jesus is the great high priest who will represent us before God, the Father, into eternity. Yet, on the other hand, Luther was troubled by passages in Hebrews chapter 6 and 10 that seemed to suggest that there is no possibility for restoration when believers sin. One such passage is in our text today, Hebrews 10, verses 26 through 29, where it is written, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has spurned the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? Notice that threat. No sacrifice remains for the one who deliberately goes on sinning. These are very frightening words. I cannot read them without shuddering myself and then asking God, this isn't me, is it? And if they seemed to suggest that Christians who sin cannot be restored, well, Luther uh, suggests that this passage disagrees with clearer passages, such as Jesus' teaching in Matthew 18, where it says that the Christian who sins can be restored. Yet the context of these words in the epistle to the Hebrews is what is key. The author of this epistle appears to be addressing Jewish Christians during a time of hardship and persecution. To escape persecution, these believers were apparently being tempted to return to their former ways under the Old Covenant, and in doing this, to reject both Jesus Christ in whom they have trusted and the Christian communities of which they have been a part. In such a context, it is not faithful pastoral practice to tell people, go in peace, reject Jesus, reject your brothers and sisters in Christ. There is no eternal danger in doing these actions, and we'll take you back when all the persecution is over. No, faithful pastoral practice would be to give warnings just as the author of Hebrews does. If you reject Jesus and his church, and if you go on rejecting Jesus, you might just be damned for all eternity. Watch out. You cannot go on willfully sinning like this and expect God to shrug it off. You cannot treat God's grace in Jesus Christ so lightly. To spurn the Son of God and to profane the blood of the New Testament is a greater sin than even breaking the commandments of the law of Moses. And if someone deliberately goes on doing this to escape persecution, or for any other reason, perhaps to seek a more comfortable life in this world, then, as it says in Hebrews 10, verse 6, there remains no sacrifice for sin. In such a context, these are the words that believers would need to hear, and then this is exactly what the author of Hebrews says. And if ever we today should be tempted to reject our Lord and Savior Jesus and to spurn his church, the community of saints, in order to live more comfortably in the world, and this in a time when we don't even face such outright persecution as they did, we too would need to hear such words. Yet as even Luther notes in his introduction to the book of Hebrews, this great warning is surrounded by the central message of Hebrews. 
that we can have full confidence in Jesus, our great sacrifice, our great high priest. God has revealed himself most fully in Jesus and what Jesus has done for us. And all he has done is sufficient for us to have full access to God as our Father, to come to him in prayer and worship, and to live now in this time and place as his redeemed people. And even more, we have full confidence because Jesus is our sacrifice and our great high priest, that we have the certainty of the resurrection of the body and life everlasting with our God. So think about it. Why would any of the baptized who have been washed clean of our sins ever even want to reject our Lord in his wonderful grace? Why would we want to not be a part of his chosen people as we live out our lives and fulfill our vocations in this time and place in which our Father has placed us? We know full well that our Lord can preserve us even amidst persecution, should it ever come to us, and then he will preserve us unto eternal life itself. The author of this epistle expresses such confidence in the lordship of Jesus when at the conclusion of this section he writes in Hebrews 10.39, But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their lives. Brothers and sisters, may the Lord God, our Heavenly Father, preserve you in this same faith and new life both now and unto everlasting life through Jesus Christ, our day of atonement sacrifice, and our great high priest who has granted us access to the most holy place. Amen. And may the peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, by the glorious resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, you destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light. Grant that we who have been raised with him may abide in his presence and rejoice in the hope of eternal glory. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have safely brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend us in the same with your mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings being ordered by your governance may be righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come.
Thank you for joining us for morning prayer. The Almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bless and preserve you.